Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Rich with TMC. I want to thank you all for taking some time out this afternoon for a discussion on uh, operational productivity pre and post pandemic. It uh, has been a top topic for our members. I think uh, we'll know more in about 45 minutes, but the general anecdotal feedback is that uh, productivity, since our members sent their employees remote on almost no notice, has been better than they thought, and in many cases, better than it was before. So we have three excellent discussion leaders that uh, run uh, member companies of ours that will help lead that discussion. We did something a little different with this session that we've never done before. We, all of the registered attendees, uh, we emailed you all um, a few hours ago and uh, asked you to come armed with some anecdotal or statistical information, um, as this is certainly the type of session that uh, will be better with the more feedback we have from members. So uh, for those of you on the line, um, we mute everybody's lines just because the number of people that we have on the call uh, to prevent background noise. But um, please use the chat, the Q&A throughout uh, a couple times during the course of the call. Just flat out ask for your thoughts on things. So uh, get your keyboard close. And uh, we want to hear your feedback on some of these things that uh, we're going to discuss. So... Uh, lucky to have three outstanding uh, discussion leaders with us here today, and we just found out pre-call that Eric and Lisa live in the same city, which is hysterical. You'd think I planned it, but uh, I'm not that smart. Uh, and Stan and I are both fellow Ohioans. Stan is my former boss, actually, and uh, lives about an hour from me in Ohio. So you got two Ohioans and two Northern Virginians. Is that uh, right? North Ireland. Maryland, Maryland. So, um, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. Stan Foraker is the SVP mortgage lending for First Commonwealth Bank, which is based out of the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Lisa Lang is the SVP of mortgage operations for Capital Bank, a bank that is based out of the D.C. area. Uh, Eric Gates is the president of Apex Home Loans in the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area. And uh, what we're going to talk about is uh, their experiences on what they've seen for productivity. Uh, and as mentioned earlier, we want to uh, hear your experiences as well. So um, I'm going to start with Stan and I'm going to ask all three of you guys to, before you get into um, what you're seeing from a productivity standpoint, to give a little background in your company to help paint the picture, volume, channels, anything else unique about your operation. Um, and then just your general like high level observations on productivity these last eight weeks. And uh, Stan, I'll start with you. Thanks, Rich. Um, First Commonwealth Bank is an $8.3 billion bank in Pennsylvania and Ohio, got out of the mortgage business in 2004, got back in in 2013. So we've been rebuilding it since then. We'll do 500 million, all retail production this year, all in Pennsylvania and Ohio, a little bit in Indiana, Kentucky, and West Virginia. Um, we were, because we were uh, relatively new as an organization, we were already geared up uh, for everybody to work from home, although we were not actively doing that 100% of the time. So the mid-March pivot came pretty quickly for us. 
and we did see a dramatic improvement. I'll talk more about it, Rich, after after Lisa and Eric get a chance to talk, but we did see a dramatic improvement in uh, our turn times uh, in March and April both. Awesome. We have, thir- we have 30 originators across those two states. Excellent. And uh, before I get to Lisa, we did a session on like working remote at our winter conference in February before all hell broke loose. It was a packed room. There's probably about 70 people in there. And the by far the unanimous collective opinion was like, I know we should be working more remote. We just haven't quite done it yet. And then boom, you know, all of a sudden mid-March, everybody's kind of forced to do it. So uh, Lisa, tell us a little bit about Capital Bank and, uh, you know, your general um, perspective on the operational productivity you've seen these last couple months. Capital Bank is headquartered in Rockville, Maryland. We're just outside Washington, D.C. We're a $1.5 billion organization. Mortgage, we do anywhere between $80 million and $118 million per month. We lend in all 50 states. We have loan officers in almost all states as well. We were set up uh, for remote work. We have, since we lend in all states and we have people throughout all of the states, as I mentioned, We've had quite a few people from every position that had already been working remote. So we had no downtime and moving the entire organization in 24 hours on all aspects of banking, not just mortgage. Our network could handle it. Um, I have noticed increase and we can get into more productivity. As I mentioned a little earlier before we joined the call, it's a combination of people being remote, no traffic, all of that, but also because the world is just not opened, are we seeing more productivity because your choice is to stay in and work? So I'm monitoring that as well. And that's going to be ongoing and fluid as we continue to navigate this situation. Thanks, Lisa. Eric Gates, tell us a little bit about Apex and uh, your high-level observations. Thanks, Rich. So uh, Apex Home Loans is an independent mortgage lender, also headquartered in Rockville, Maryland. Um, we did about $850 million last year uh, with some growth. We expected to do about a billion this year. We're on pace to do probably about $1.6. Um, and um, 100% retail, old school retail, no consumer direct. Um, and we're licensed in 11 states. So we're doing the majority of our business in Maryland, Virginia, DC, but we're licensed sort of Pennsylvania down to Florida. Um, similar thoughts to what Stan and Lisa said. Um, we were prepared for moving from uh, moving to work from home. We It's always been our business continuity plan. And um, we spent some time in the end of February and beginning of March fine tuning a little bit. Uh, we had everybody work from home for a day or two ahead of time to make sure they had what they needed. We did our our part in stimulating the economy by ordering lots of monitors and port replicators and everything, um, and have you know made a pretty pretty good transition. So we were up and running quickly. We had a lot of employees working from home part of the time to avoid the traffic because traffic is a big bear in in our marketplace. Um, so those people are are some, we're somewhat used to it. And, uh, you know, similar reasons. I think people are uh, happy to have a job, first of all. We've heard that from a lot of our employees. Uh, They feel fortunate to be in an industry that's thriving right now, uh, even with all the challenges that we've had going on over the last couple of months. 
And so they're really working hard, willing to do it, happy to do it. I'm sure that they're going to start getting burned out soon, but we, we are definitely seeing a lot more units per ops person uh, since this transition. You know, we've been doing a series of man, uh, sessions on effectively managing remote employees. In those sessions, we've cited a couple studies. One was done by the University of Stanford. Uh, the other was done by, I forget the organization, both very reputable, done over the course of a couple of years throughout industries, and both found the same conclusion that remote employees were, depending on what you looked at, the industry, 12 to 20 percent more efficient. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the mortgage industry. As a couple of you guys mentioned, there is like the, all right, like there's 20% unemployment. Everybody's so just happy to be working that they're like ready to run through a brick wall. But it'll be interesting to see the longer term trends. So uh, let's dig a little deeper. I think you all said that you've been pleased with what you've seen. That has matched everything really we've heard from the, the broader member base over the course of the last eight weeks. But uh, let's dig a little deeper, uh, Stan, in your operation. Uh, you know, maybe some things that have particularly surprised you, some statistics that jump out or anything that uh, has really caught your attention uh, related to the productivity of your staff? Yeah, so one of our top KPIs is always, we measure app to clear to close. You could argue whether it should be the actual closing date, but we've always used clear to close just because there's so many other things that could impact an actual closing date. <clears throat> so our typical app clear to close is 34 days in March. It moved to 30 days. And by the way, we're about 20% construction. So that's including construction lending. And in April, we did, March was a record month for us. April was 30% more than that, and we kept it at 34 days. So we, and that is with about 10 hours of overtime per operations person for the month. So that's pretty dramatic. And um, so much so that we've triple checked the numbers. You know, it's one of those where you sort of don't trust the numbers when you get them but we spent a lot of time digging into that. And, and I've talked with my leadership team a lot about it, Rich. The conclusion is, and, and Lisa's already talked about this, and that you know they're clocking in at seven o'clock in the morning instead of driving in. They're not kibitzing in the kitchen over last night's sports event. The underwriters aren't running into the underwriting manager's office every 10 minutes. They're actually doing research before they you know, deal with an issue. So Statistically, our turn times are dramatically better. Um, our our pull through actually improved about five percent. I can't tell you today that it's absolutely tied to that, but our pull through did improve. So we think that has something to do with the quality of the files too, and a little more time and emphasis on making sure the files are quality when they're coming in. So even on the sales side, we think there's been some improvement. You know, with this emphasis of working from home or working remotely. Amanda claims it's all her management. Yeah. <laughs> and Stan's head of operations is a friend of mine so that I worked with in the past. So a little inside joke. Good. Thank you for making reminding me how much I miss sports as well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys in Cleveland really want to be saying that. That's the yeah. joke. Like, you know, everybody knows me as the Cleveland guy. They're like, Aren't you should be happy. There's nothing to like be miserable about. Yeah. So I'm learning something about Eric now. <laughs> Before I get to Lisa, we have um, about 60 people on the line. And uh, again, I we want to hear your experience as well. Please take a second and drop it in the chat. What you are seeing the last eight weeks versus before Friday, the 13th of March, when everything kind of went crazy. 
um, numbers or you know anything specific that really has surprised you, uh, and we'll voice it aloud for you. You could use the chat or the Q and A. So, uh, Lisa, uh, Capital Bank, uh, let's dig a little deeper on uh, some of the things that have really stuck out to you these last eight weeks. I've seen a tremendous amount of teamwork, actually, where you had record volume, record applications. Uh, we onboarded a high producing purchase branch within three days of everybody going remote. So we had all of my department heads, we had to onboard with GoToMeetings and Zoom, and they brought in a large amount of production. Actually, they there they started end of March with uh, mid-March with us, and April was their highest producing month ever. And they're at hundred percent purchase, which is fantastic. It was just additional um, strain on the resources. However, nobody else would have known that from the sales side. All operations, and I'm big into cross-training. So when I see things getting heavy on the front end, I move some back end employees to the front end and vice versa. But all department heads, all teams did anything and everything to keep production moving, which was great to see. And what Stan mentioned, where there's just less drama in the office, there's no complaining. Everybody was just working. I've had, actually, I can say zero HR issues, which um, in management, most people on this call know we spend a lot of time on that. I've had none. Everybody is just working, functioning as one team. If anything, I have said to my managers, make sure you're giving your team, if somebody needs a mental health day or they need a break because it's just people are working an exorbitant amount of hours, make sure you're recognizing that because I still want them performing without getting burned out. So that's really what we're looking at now. Since everybody is home and you're really in your homes because as we've said, the world is not open. I don't want there to be just burnout as well. So there's gotta be that happy medium to keep our people engaged and performing. So for us personally, I was extraordinarily pleased with the amount of teamwork across the entire organization. Even on the banking side, they would jump in because mortgage was so busy to help, for instance, on the post-closing side, which was, you know, we've always worked as a team, but it, when it really counts, everybody jumped in. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, Eric, your next level observations on productivity the last eight weeks at Apex. Yeah, I mean, I think it would just really uh, mirror everything that Lisa and Stan have said. Uh, when you asked Lisa that question, uh, her answer was the first thing that popped to my head, too, was uh, teamwork and how well everybody worked together and uh, very little friction. We don't typically have a lot of that, but there's been even less. Um, everybody looking to help each other out, everybody being very understanding of everybody else's workload. Um, and, you know, I'm absolutely pleasantly surprised as to how much volume everyone's been able to handle. I mean, we've obviously had other refi spurts and other volume bulges where maybe underwriting turn times uh, expand a little bit, but everybody here has been cranking out work at an incredible volume um, and just trying to make sure we, we know how much that they know how much we appreciate that. Um, culture is a big issue uh, for us. We've always really focused on our culture and 
Uh, it's really a strength of our company. So trying to maintain that remotely and make sure people are still motivated to work, uh, we thought would be a bigger challenge. But we're keeping in touch with people. Uh, we're doing a lot of Zoom calls with everybody. We're trying to be as transparent as we can about everything. And I think that's kept people happy and motivated. And, and you know, same things that Lisa noted. I mean, they can stand there. Getting up early, they're starting their day early, they're coming back online at night after dinner, after putting their kids to bed, um, just doing whatever they need to do. So it's been really a great, pleasant surprise. Hey, you know, Rich, uh, Eric made me think of something that <laughs> when he mentioned Zoom calls, so we've always had the technology, all kinds of technology to communicate with each other. What we found is apparently our staff was sort of reluctant to use it because they didn't need to. And all of a sudden, everybody's become an expert in use of all kinds of technology. I mean, we have Jabber internally and Zoom and whatever. So it's actually increased our communication so that we don't rely just on an email, you know, that goes out. We, we get a little more instant communication. The meetings that we've had collectively using Zoom have been constructive. But you find, I, I found that if we schedule a, I, my leadership team today, I had a meeting, it was half an hour because, you know, right, we weren't, we weren't moving from facility to facility. We weren't trying to bring everybody in. We got everybody on the phone or on the Zoom call at one time, 30 minutes in and out. So we're using technology more than we've ever used it before, even though we've had it available. And that's been sort of good or positive unintended consequence of this environment we're in. Our whole team has been remote since day one. We've never done Zoom calls. Like, I don't know why. Like, I'm what an idiot I am. Um, now we're doing them all the time. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it absolutely. I, we, we do strategic planning meetings quarterly. We typically done them in person. Um, mm -hmm. We did one Thursday and Friday. Like, it was just as good. Like, honestly, we it, it was very, very productive. So... Um, I think there's a good lesson in that, Rich. I mean, we sort of made a pivot a couple of years ago um, in our hiring focus, being more focused on who the person was than where they were. Um, and so we've hired people remotely in a variety of positions, not mm -hmm. a huge percentage, but some. And, and I think Stan's point is a great one. I mean, it's forced people to use technology that allows those scenarios to still thrive without being in the office together. We've got... Skype for business as part of our Microsoft Office 365. We've got Teams. We've got Zoom. We've got all these tools. Our phone system even has video chat functions um, and people instant messaging each other. And just it's, it's just as easy to collaborate. And it saves the time, like Stan said, of transitioning from place to place for those kind of meetings. Absolutely. And, you know, like that, that all that is true. Now that said, there's certain humans that are more adept to working at home and some that need the office. And, you know, we've started to hear from some of our members that uh, certainly into their hiring process going forward, if it's, you know, any of the personality index, disc, culture index, like there are certain profiles of people that, you know, are much, much more likely to excel working from home and than those that kind of need the office. So uh, we've heard from members that, you know, uh, are definitely planning to incorporate those more heavily in the height, not only just hiring, but assessing their current staff when they go, you know, potentially back to the office um, or not. But uh, before I get to my next line of questioning, which is going to be 
in and around your plans on what you're thinking right now in your head, assuming everything is fine with, you know, the coronavirus to move employees back in the office versus what you thought you would maybe on March 13th. Uh, we had a question in the chat, your refi mix, just, I think we had a question in the chat to frame the conversation, your refi mix currently versus historical uh, right now, Stan. Uh, we, we were by units, we were 63% refi in April and we're normally 15% give or take. Lisa, how much refi uh, April closings? We were 60%. 60% normally? Normally, we're, we run about 50-50 purchase and refinance. 50, okay. Eric? Yeah, I'd say we're probably typically 60-40 purchase, maybe 70-30 purchase. Um, and we're in the 60s on refi for sure. But it's not because we're seeing the purchase volume go down. We're just seeing the refi volume skyrocket past it. We have a lot of good systems in place to capture the refis when they're when they make sense for our prior customers and, and we've executed on them and it's just meant that the refis have jumped up significantly. I'm, I'm personally shocked at how steady the purchase volume has remained throughout this. I think we all sort of expected it to drop way off. Um, and it, while I don't think it's what it would have been, it's not at the levels that I expected it to be. Yeah. I look at that every day and I've been very surprised um, at the number of purchases we're locking every day. Yeah, yeah, our construction business dropped off a little because Pennsylvania shut out residential construction. <clears throat> so um, that's really, but I agree, purchase stayed up and uh, we're predominantly a purchase and construction shop, really. So uh, construction was the only thing we saw dip a little bit. Excellent. Um, the question I'd love to hear all three of your thoughts on are, uh, let's just assume that, you know, things go well and, you know, things are somewhat back to normal, late summer, early fall. Uh, what is your in thoughts in your head right now on percentage of uh, operational staff that you'll keep remote versus maybe what you would have thought like eight weeks ago? And for the attendees on the call, I uh, would love to hear your thoughts as well on this question. Um, plans on returning uh, employees to the office versus maybe what you thought when all this started. Uh, Stan? Well, before this started, we already had a policy in place that one day a week, each operations person could work from home. It, they couldn't all pick Monday. They couldn't all pick Friday, but we'd rotate it. Um, we are already working on a plan that says everybody can stay home full time. And frankly, if they're going to come into the office, we're going to have to decide whether we think we're going to get the productivity we'd get out of them working from home. So my team and I are putting together a plan. Our plan is to continue to keep our operations teams at home essentially full time with some exceptions. We're working through um, our ability to monitor effectively their productivity. And I'll throw this in, Rich. I won't take up a lot of time so, so that Lisa and Eric can talk. But in addition you only asked about our staff, but on the other side of this too, we've realized that we need to re take another look at our expectations of our vendor partners and their ability to perform in this kind of environment, whether it's an appraisal company or our settlement partners, because we've had some folks who did phenomenal work for us and others that were pretty disappointing, just simply couldn't make the turn. So not only are we looking at a permanent solution that has our ops support people working remotely, 
but we're also looking at plans to really redefine our partnerships with outside vendors. It's a great point. Yeah, all the third parties you need to take a loan from start to finish. Uh, this change business climate changes some dynamics with the third party providers as well. Lisa, um, your, your plans and thoughts. So we've been in initial talks um, last week, this week, and while we nothing is firm, I anticipate we will keep the majority of people remote. Um, we're looking at the bigger picture overall. Like obviously I'm looking at leases and cost of branches and productivity, all that. While we believe there needs to be a hybrid model, it's what does that look like? Does that mean we take space and we bring our teams in monthly, quarterly based on job duties, whether it's operation, whether it's sales? We believe that we still need that human element, but it doesn't necessarily need to be 8.30 to 5, you know, day in, day out. So we will uh, develop some sort of hybrid model it's just early in those stages, but we like Stan, most of our operations team had one day um, a week that they would work remote. Our underwriters, besides uh, the head of underwriting, and it just happens to be she lives close to the current office we had, um, was remote regardless. Um, so being remote is not the issue for us really, because we could keep everybody remote. It's how we're going to bridge the communication for the human element that people need to have as well. Yeah, you know, Lisa, we, we said the same thing as far as if we do this, when we do this, two or three times a year, we're gonna have to bring everybody in, maybe more. We'll right. see, we'll, we'll have to test it, see how it goes. But the initial plan is at least three times a year, bring everybody in for time together, so. Exactly. We had a call before this. It was uh, on the home builder, the new construction climate with a few builder owned lenders of ours. And one of the things that was interesting to me is uh, they said that one trend that they're seeing is builders are now really starting to think more about building more prominent home offices into homes. Like that is a trend you are going to see in the new build market, which makes sense, but it completely caught me off guard. But uh Eric, uh, your plans on returning staff to the office or not? So we've we've got a group of people working together, sort of formulating a more official plan right now. Uh, members of HR and management, and gaining input from employees and seeing what they want. Um, but I think we're going to be pretty flexible about it. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to be comfortable coming back in for a while. Um, you mentioned mentioned personality differences before and I think you know certainly found that people who are more introverted are very happy working from home and are probably a lot more productive um, we definitely have some significant extroverts on our team who are bouncing off the walls at home and really can't wait to get back to the office so um, we've got to look at the the how each of our offices is laid out uh, whether people have their own office space and can close a door, whether we've got people working in uh, more public workspaces and workstations and how we're going to sort of keep some separation there. Um, so uh, depending on the number of people that want to come back, we'll probably have a plan to rotate them through so that we make sure people can keep an appropriate distance as, as necessary or as they're comfortable with. 
Um, so we're going we're gonna to allow our employees to have some say in the matter. Um, and then I think the questions from there will include, you know, you're going to make people wear masks or you know, want to wear masks. I don't want other protective uh, things. Are we going to be able to provide those to them? Uh, what will the supply of those needed materials be? So we got to make sure we can meet all of those needs as well. And that may be a little unknown right now because I just tried to order some gloves and I think the delivery date was July. So. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to be selling commercial real estate right now. No. But I wouldn't want to be or or, that. or renting masks. Yeah. Yeah. All the commercial real estate people are selling gloves and masks now. So. Well, that, <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that, Rich, because a big factor in this work from home or not on the other side of this is now that we can see the effect, the positive effect, and since this is just the TMC family, I don't mind sharing the number. I've got three locations that have, essentially that house support people. The place I'm sitting right now costs us $70,000 a year to lease it. I need a lot of technology help. In some, you know, we're, we run pretty lean. 70 large a year in just one site can buy me some technology I need or an FTE or maybe one and a half. So those are big factors in the business decision too, not just the near-term efficiency, but if we can save money on that kind of scale, I've got to take, you know, I got to be serious about this. Man, it's funny. Like just, you know, being in this role for five years now, we're in these labs and calls like this lenders just like racking their brain to save a quarter basis point, half a basis point strategies to cut costs. And you're right. Like the cost, the cost of bricks and mortar and lights and insurance on the buildings, like it's game changing efficiency stuff and uh, not surprising that so many are embracing it. So, Well, there are opportunities that are going to come out of this for cost savings as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'll know. just mention along those lines, I mean, I have one consideration that Stan and Lisa probably don't since they work for a bank, but um, licensing is an issue right. for independence and you know, do, do home offices for salespeople need to be licensed and uh, that that adds a whole nother, and, and bonds that go with each location and all that. So there's additional things to consider there for independence that the banks may not have to consider. But certainly, I think everybody's thinking about how they could be in a smaller footprint and save some money that way, for sure. What is the rule on that, Eric? I see a lot of our independent, you wouldn't know because nobody's putting anything in the chat, but uh, uh, I see a lot of our independent mortgage bank members that are in the attendee list. What is the rule on like licensing locations? Like, is that current? How does that, how, what is, how does that work exactly? So, I mean, it can be different state to state, but the majority of the states have uh, look at it that if you are taking an application at a site and you're doing so regularly, not that you meet somebody at Starbucks once, but if you're working from a specific location and taking applications, then it's supposed to be licensed. Mm -hmm. um, so in theory, if you've got loan officers working from home, you've got some questions to answer about whether you need to be licensing their home office for the states in which they do business. Um, there were a number of states who very quickly, once this started, uh, made announcements that they would be very lenient on that rule in this environment and not consider that as any sort of violation or issue. And know, they know that everyone has to work from home for now. Interesting. And I see somebody just put in the chat, in New York, loan originators must work from a licensed location. It cannot be a home. Same goes for underwriters and processors. I didn't know the uh, the mortgage rules were tougher in New York. 
<laughs> Connecticut is the same. Someone else just put in there. So um, before, um, so let's talk about potential negatives. So, you know, I'm going to go around. I want to hear some thoughts on some things that could be challenges or negatives. The, the one thing I'll say is I've been reading some terrifying things about just the cyber criminals are like licking their chops that this environment where everybody is working from home and so much sensitive information is being passed back and forth from home computers on home broadband connections. Um, you know, I know a lot of our members are thinking about it. I'll throw that out there and then uh, just kind of go around to the group. Uh, some some things that maybe keep you up at night that you are thinking about right now. Um, it sounds like all you are planning to go to a more remote staff in that. So uh, Stan, I'll start with you. Two things, um, and I think maybe Lisa touched on this. One is training and onboarding provides some concerns in this environment. I don't think it's insurmountable, and I think there is sort of a hybrid way to, to handle this, but that's one potential negative. And then the, the second one really has to do with overall talent evaluation. So if the only tool I have to evaluate somebody's effectiveness is the number of files they push through, but I don't have any sense of their communication skills or their general understanding or knowledge, that could take longer for us to really get a sense of the quality of the person. So those are some things that worry us. I'm not sure that that's a perfect system when we're all sitting in the same office, but there is something to be said for being able to overhear or you know work together face-to-face -to -face from time to time to get a sense of the person. So. Those are a couple of things that are create a little bit of anxiety for me near term, and we'll see where it takes us. Thanks, Stan. Uh, Lisa, what's keeping you up at night as you move to have your staff work more remote? It's not necessarily keeping me up at night, but it's definitely put some strain on some of our resources, some of our technology initiatives we've expedited. Um, and since we are with a bank, um, we go through compliance and we've had to really push to get some initiatives pushed through, um, moving at a faster pace than historically we have. So that's been good and bad, but that's been some frustration probably on the sales and operations side. Um, but it did fast track and we'll end up in a better position doing that. We were already on that track, but it's also put some strain on our IT department who's you know supporting the entire organization. Um, in resources. So it's also shown the bank some opportunity where we need to um, invest in some talent. Um, I know for mortgage and I know the bank as well, Stan, when you're mentioning hiring people and onboarding, it does make it a little more challenging, but we are doing Zoom interviews as well to try and gauge the personality, not just, you know, they go through the phone interview and then when they get to next steps, we will do a Zoom interview. It is not the same as in person, but it's where we're all migrating to. So, and then once they get onboarded, we see what, you know, we set the expectations of what the role is and how they perform in that role and whether they're meeting the benchmarks or not. You do lose that human element of developing, you know, the relationship where I as I mentioned, that's why there's going to be a hybrid model for us in particular, you know, when we're not right in this virus phase where we will probably bring our teams across the board, whether operation and sales in monthly, whether it's one day a month, just to touch base, get that face to face. Um, 
initially and then migrate to probably quarterly. But the human interaction is big for us, especially being a community bank. We know that our consumers from mortgage and on the banking side want that relationship face-to-face some. Thanks, Lisa. And Eric, at Apex, uh, the things most worrisome top of mind to you in, in moving the staff more remote? Yeah, so I mean, I think in relation to that topic, I don't know if worrisome or keep me up at night is really how I would describe it, but it's new challenges for sure that we have to figure out how to deal with. And I think they both touched on the ones that came to my mind. So interviewing uh, isn't as big a concern, but onboarding is. Um, and on, we've always had a, a sort of a process we go through when we onboard new people, and it either involves them coming to us or us sending a team to them, depending on who it is we're onboarding. So uh, that is going to be a new challenge for us that we've got to figure out how to navigate properly. And then I mentioned before, I mean, culture is a big part of our organization and keeping that tight-knit community feel amongst all of our employees is more challenging in this type of environment. And we're trying to come up with ways to deal with that. And we do company Zoom happy hours, you know, at least once, if not twice a week. We do other structured events that happen virtually, but it's just not the same. And uh, we've got a team of people that have grown to really like each other over time. And and that's a big part of who we are. So uh, we've got to figure out how to maintain that and how to keep people connected. I don't know, Eric, if you've noticed this, but I've noticed our Friday afternoon happy hour Zoom meeting has started to move up earlier and earlier, like 4 or 15 years <laughs> This is this is a call about productivity. <laughs> we are starting a new initiative next week with we're calling it Coffee Talk. So it's for the entire organization because mortgage does work with you know the wire department and other departments, and we do network with the commercial salespeople. So it's going to be a Zoom call, and it's going to be company-wide from 9 to 9:30, where you can jump on, say good morning, have your coffee, ask questions, kind of do your FaceTime, and then jump off. You don't have to stay on the first 30 minutes, but it is another way to bring people together. Thanks, Lisa. That does not involve alcohol. We do the happy hours. <laughs> I, I, will, I will agree with the the, the Friday happy hours, uh, getting a little earlier comment. Yeah, so um, we had a couple questions come in, and we've got five or six minutes left. So if anybody has any questions uh, for the group or any experiences you want to share, this would be the time to do so. Uh, the first question uh, touches on something we hinted at earlier, and it's we are all overflowing with volume, and there's res- relatively nothing else to do but work while at home. How much of a factor are those two things in driving productivity up beyond 100%? So you know, people are happy to have a job. There's nothing to do. You're quarantined. People are busy. People are busting their humps right now. Stan, do you, you're going to, we talked about the cost savings. Do you anticipate higher productivity if you fast forward to February and a a slow winter in a normal non-corona world? Yeah. I, you know, that's a great question. I don't know that I have a good measure of it. I do agree that when times get slower, it seems like productivity lags, right? We have less volume it seems like efficiency lags. So I think at least based on my experience, there's that danger. Um, So I I really think measuring productivity in a work from home group, how we're going to do it, what the standards are going to be is going to be really important when we run into that, you know, those days when the volumes 
slowed down. Is this really working the way we thought it would? But it's a great question. I don't have an answer for it today. Lisa, Eric? I agree with Stan. It's going to be evolving because we just don't have the data to analyze right now, except for, for example, underwriting. Underwriters historically have been working from home. We can manage that. We know how many loans get assigned to an underwriter today, how many come out that day. Same thing with closing. But there's other functions that we just don't have the analytics behind. So while we're getting, we're exceeding productivity right now, it's going to be, what does that look like? Yes, 90 days from now, 120 days from now, for, with the other roles that are historically not 100% remote. And then we're going to have to develop the expectations for those roles going forward. Eric, productivity longer term, your thoughts? Um, I think Stan and Lisa and I were talking about this a little bit before we kicked off the call. I mean, everybody is busting their hump, like you said, and we've talked about all the productivity they're all cranking out. But I'm sure fatigue has got to set in at some point soon. We can't expect everybody to maintain this pace. And maybe that won't be necessary if the volume doesn't stay where it is. But um, you know, we're preparing for the fact that we can't expect people to be working the number of hours they're working and continue to crank out the number of files they're cranking out. They're going to wear out and get tired. Um, so we are trying to make sure people take some time off. You know, Lisa mentioned mental health days and nobody's really taking vacation. That's another factor on uh, productivity here too, right? I mean, I'm sure we all had people who were scheduled to be out of town on vacation in April or March and now into May that aren't taking those trips. So we're gaining that added productivity also. Um, you know, at any given point, you might have people who are out on vacation, you know, 10% of people out on vacation or something. Also, I think people who don't feel well and are sick and who might not have come into the office are still working because they're at home and they can. So we're gaining some added productivity there too. But, um, um, you know, we're, I, I think we should plan for fatigue and know that people can't keep this pace forever. Uh, so just trying to figure out how you think the best way to, is to deal with that. We, we also, Rich, before the call began, we talked a little bit about, I mentioned this very quickly, that, you know, we're handling this volume and we're getting these efficiencies. One of the factors we can't measure is how much of this is because consumers are home now and can respond more quickly. So instead of it taking them three days to get you a bank statement, they're home now too. So that can be a factor here. I think it's probably more of a factor than we realize. Just I can't measure it, but I think that's that's a factor too. So when everybody gets back to work full time, I wonder if we'll see a difference in efficiency there too. I also think, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I think we've gained some efficiencies that you might not have realized too in that um, we monitor what percentage of our conventional loans get PIWs and that's gone up pretty significantly and I think that's intentionally done by the agencies and you know when this is over are we going to see that dialed back and is that gain a little bit don't know the answer to that just just wondering but we've gone from about 21% to 37% of our loans having PIWs last month Hmm. Um, so that's a huge you know benefit there less time underwriters are spending clearing those files um and and just trying to use day one uncertainty more which unfortunately fanny's you know understandably removed on the employment side but um i think that's another thing we've had a lot of focus on people decided it was you know they wanted to pay more attention to day one certainty things that they could take advantage of and other ways they could 
make the process go quicker. Two questions come in. One, how are you preparing for people to take their vacation time later in the year? This just hit me a couple of weeks ago with our staff. Like we can't have everybody off in November and December, you know, especially, you know, for lenders. I mean, we could be in a climate where our busiest months could still be ahead. You get people back to work and, you know, potentially even lower rates and, and more refi. Um, so I'd be interested to hear how you guys are handling vacation time. And the other was around something you guys all hit on, which is training. And my guess is that nobody's doing much training these last eight weeks just because it's kind of chaotic. But again, um, you know, growing your staff and potentially more volume, you're going to have to add staff, bring on new people. Um, So thoughts on how you're handling vacation time and how you're handling training. Stan? We've um, already communicated that right now they can move a week of PTO into the first quarter of next year. If we need to, and if we need to, if the end point of the quarantine goes longer than we all sort of generally anticipate, we'll probably say two weeks and give them six months into next year to carry it over. So that's kind of how we're handling it right now. And then, you know, I, um, our team's really good. I mean, they understand everybody can't be gone at the same time, you know, the week before Christmas or whatever this year. So, mm-hmm. Lisa, vacate time and training. So we have actually been doing training. Um, we've been utilizing Zoom and GoToMeetings. Training's been crucial for us right now with the volume we have. I need to constantly be able to shift those resources to make sure the whole assembly line is functioning. Um, so that's actually gone well for us as far as time off, like Stan mentions, everybody knows they can't be off at the same time, but we are looking at extending the vacation rollover along with, um, buying out vacation as well, whether it's cause we know people are going to have more than a week or two and transfer over since nobody can take vacation. And we'll probably do the combination of a buyout and transfer over your vacation weeks to 2021. Thanks, Lisa. Eric, uh, vacate time and training. Nothing new to add there. Same, you know, we, we have a limit on how much they can carry over from year to year. So I think we'll need to uh, adjust that. You know, it's not just Christmas time, but hey, if, you know, September, everything's lifted and people are thrilled to be out of their house and they all want to go take some time off at once. Obviously there's some challenges around that that we all are aware of. So I mean, our, you know, we do require people to request time off. We've got a public time off calendar uh, so they could see before they go to request who else has requested time and never like to say no to somebody who wants to take some time off, but we'll certainly have to manage it so that everybody doesn't disappear at once. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you guys very much. This was a great session, uh, very insightful. And uh, thank you to the about 60 of you that we had on the line. And uh, just a reminder, we are starting a recurring weekly series tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern, strategies and safety around a phased return of the office for those that uh, have to or uh, are going to elect to return some or all of their staff to the office. How do you handle that from a safety perspective? I think it's a big unknown to a lot of our members and uh, people in general right now. And at what pace do you do that? So that uh, starts tomorrow at three. Uh, Stan, Lisa, Eric, thank you guys very much. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Sam. And, uh, 
Yeah, and everybody have a, a great rest of the afternoon, and we'll uh, hopefully see you again soon on one of our upcoming calls this week. I think we have eight more these next three days. So take care, everyone. Thank you. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.